0: It was there was Gugu, Mackenzie, myself, um, Billy, and Denise uh, Burse, who plays Elder Kelly. We were all just sitting in a row. And we just looked at each other. and were like, guys, when are we going to get this opportunity again? If they if they say that we won, we have to bum rush that stage and just get get up there. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sachandrika and I'll be your host. Today we'll be talking about Sanjee Naparo. The uh, more eagle-eared amongst you might have noticed that with this podcast we'll have covered every Black Mirror episode that's gone out now. So this will be the last podcast for a while, at least until we know what's happening with season five. So at least we have a bit of a bumper episode for you today. I'll be analysing San Junipero with my colleague, journalist Harriet Fluke, and also Wes from the show, played by Gavin Stenhouse, will be Skyping in to tell us not only what it was like to work on the show, but also what it was like to go to the Emmys with the whole gang, because this was the episode that won Black Mirror its two Emmys, its first two Emmys, and certainly not its last two. So it's great to hear from him what that was like.
0: I was a huge fan of Black Mirror. I, I mean, I remember when the first that first episode came out from season one. Um, it was so—I don't know—that it just caused such an uproar, and it was so refreshing to see, you know, because I've been a fan of Charlie from from back in the day when he was writing his re- his reviews, you know, and then for him to put, you know, the money where his mouth is and then create something that is just mind-blowing and every single one was so unique in uh in its own way every episode it's just i was just floored and amazed at at how one mind could come up with all of that um so when the the breakdown came through and the the audition came through for san junipero i was just like i'm i'm I don't know. I don't, I don't care what it takes. I'm getting this. Um, and, you know, it, it's never that way with auditions. You can try as much as you want, but if you're not right for the role, you're not right for the role. But fortunately, uh, I happen to be right for this one.
1: Did you have like the whole script to hand, or Did you only have parts of it when you, when you first
0: got it? God, I don't think, yeah, no, no, no. I definitely didn't have the whole script. Uh, no, I just had the parts that I was auditioning for. So I had no idea what the whole premise was and what the, the, um, the twist was going to be until I got the actual job.
1: When when you got onto set and and you got more of a sense of the story, um, what did you think of it? Because it it must have felt to a Black Mirror fan, or oh, this is really different. I don't know where it's going. What's happening?
0: You know what? On on the face of it, I actually felt when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, this this feels like Black Mirror. But there's something in the way that Owen directs his pieces and his subjects that it, like he brings out this really lovely kind of sensitivity uh into the project and i remember when i first got called into the adr so uh, afterwards when you do some voice looping if if they don't successfully get uh, something that you've said on set then the actor will go back in often months later to do something called audio looping which is where you have to match your lines in a studio space up to an image being played on a monitor. And that was the first time that I'd seen any of the kind of finished, uh, edited pieces together. It was so it was so much more kind of heartfelt than I thought it was going to be because I thought the whole thing was going to be a bit more about, you know, the life, the afterlife being in computers and all that kind of thing. But actually the story became more about um, Gugu and Mackenzie's Uh, relationship to each other and i just i thought that was amazing owen did that again as well in in the second suit. be right back yeah that's the one with donald Greason. yeah it's such a beautiful episode and i cried at the end of that episode it's so heartfelt and sensitive and um i think that's definitely something that owen brings to his work um because i felt that in this in san junipero as well
1: so yeah. that, that makes sense so again with, with the, a world filled with ashbots which you've just described to us the <laughs> San made me think yeah. among all the lovely things which it made me feel which we'll definitely mm. get into but where it links to be right back is the keeping hold of something that's that's gone and somebody yeah. who's, who's been lost
2: and, and even Kelly does that doesn't she she, yeah. just, she can't let go of husband yeah even when yorkie's there and she's saying i'm here to help you to move on on, she still can't because she's still like no i've got it it's only at the end she physically does it yeah and she mentally does the other one
1: exactly yeah there's more of the emotional journey i think is is made more explicit in in san junipero what things we like about san junipero the music yes big fan of the music yeah every
2: time it comes on i like have a little dance in my seat
1: so heaven is a place on earth you're a fan of yeah. Charlie Brickett did say they tried to get Prince Sign of the Times, mm. which I don't think would
2: work as well. I think it would have been a bit too melancholy at the end. Yeah. I think it would have been a bit too, like, oh.
1: So I read something the other day about San Junipero and um, Heaven is a Place on Earth, that mm. if you couldn't get that song, you'd be distraught. Mm. Are there any songs out there for, for both of you, either of you, that could be essential to a future episode? Wow. I like that as, um, as inspiration. Uh, it did make was... it one. It's very important. Do you
2: know yeah. Um. occasion there's some songs we couldn't get actually. Yeah. We, we wanted to. We couldn't clear a Prince song at the time. We wanted "Sign of the Times" in there. We couldn't clear it.
1: I think you need the music to keep
2: it up yeah. because otherwise, it is just an incredibly yeah. tragic story. Exactly. It's, and what I noticed as well is that all the songs kind of have like a reference into the moment they're playing at that time. So like, girlfriend, girlfriend in a coma. coma. <laughs> like Girl living in, a box, living then, in box What's the bit with that like, amazing montage she does? Mm. And it's the bit where each song and each particular look, this is the bit where I started to notice actually that it wasn't all where it said it was, because I was like, these are very 80 specific looks. Yeah. There's not like, you know, when you look at um when you look at Kelly, what she's wearing, it's her kind of very much her style. Yeah. And it's a very like individual, like she's gone back into what she wants to do and it's herself. When Yorkie's replicating it, it's very much like, this is a look. No, this is very precise. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's that whole thing where it's actually she's you can tell she's still trying to like explore herself more at that point. Yeah. But then you kind of realize oh, this is not all it's meant to be. That was some hair.
0: <laughs> well, that was that was a lot of effort on the uh, hair and makeup department for sure.
1: <laughs> How long were you being backcombed? Have you ever been backcombed before? Was that what, no, what you were doing?
0: No, I I'd never been backcombed. It it was a it was a let me see, it was a combination of hours of backcombing different stages through my head from back to front. And then blow drying and then like some kind of like spray and then more back comb. And then just yanking it out of my skull.
1: New wave. It's very new wave.
2: But...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we were um, actually when we were doing hair and makeup tests, um, it was if you can imagine it, it was even more intense than that. Uh, we were going back and forth between hair and makeup and Owen Harris, the director. And at first we kind of settled on a a bit, something a bit more flock of seagulls. So it was like high at the sides. Um, And then uh, we showed it to Owen and he was, he just kind of took one look and said, I think that might be too much. Um, And then we decided to just settle on this overall of a just massive piece on my head.
1: Yorkie never really <laughs> got the chance, did no, she?
2: yeah. She didn't, didn't stand a chance. It is just terrified when she walks through. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a really sad story, but then it's also so hopeful. Um, mm. why, do, why do you think there's such an emphasis on escapism? Like, what kind of yeah. world do they
2: live in? Well, I think if you look at Yorkie especially, she's, she's never had, had a chance, really, has she? She's, she's, you know, she's, she's getting to do all the things that she wants to do. So for her, it's actually like escaping her own body. And it's actually because she's must have watched all this, all like this, her life happen, but not been able to do anything. So, like her, for her, that's just, just pure escapism, trying everything out, and you know, just meeting as many people as she wants. I think with um Kelly, the emphasis on like escapism is more her being kind of like, oh, I'm just fine. I'm going to die soon. I might as well just get to do all the things I want and just have a good time. And she says that at the start, doesn't she? She's just like, I'm here just, for, just here for a good time. I don't want anything else something about yorkie that she she has not
1: experienced life so she's kind of being inducted into it that is a bit like donald gleason's they they call him ash and then Ashbot on the internet like the, the ash <laughs> back afterwards which i love and he's he's like a baby he doesn't know how to react yeah. to things and and hayley atwell's character has to teach him and i think yorkie is a bit like that there's there's something about this innocent character that doesn't know how life works, and they've got someone yeah. around tries to teach them that. There's something mm-hmm. very affecting about those kinds of characters as well. You really care about how it's going to yeah. work out.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a softness and a sensitivity to um, Yorkie. You know, she's been so kind of sheltered and well, she <laughs> robbed of her life experience that when she gets these this opportunity to to kind of branch out and live a life that she was denied. You know, it's like there's so many options. There's so many things to choose from, and and also there, there's a sense that she wants to take it all in, but doesn't know where to start. You know what I mean?
1: Yorkie is a bit like Ashbot in that sense that she needs to learn about yeah. life. She never got to live mm. it, and so she walks around like wide-eyed, like a child. Yeah. And Kelly's the one.
2: Even the way she dresses, you can see it. She's like she's literally a child. She's she doesn't yeah. really know what's like, what's going on
1: yeah it's um it's a really nice like taking the idea further of being right back um what what did it feel like when you saw the twist when it went from that beautiful neon world Mm. to the gray kind of um, assisted living facility and um the nurse with older kelly who looks so much like younger
2: kelly oh the, the, the casting is so good yeah um it was as all the little bits got explained. So as she found out about Greg and as she found out about the Shan Juniper, like, program, and all that sort of the words dropping in, then I was like, then it all starts to piece together. And I was like, actually, this is such a lovely idea.
1: Did you meet Charlie much, like, during the filming or before? Or how did he... So,
0: f- yeah, he was on set in England, but uh, while we were filming in South Africa, he was prepping and filming for Screen Wipe. So he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't around much in, in South Africa, but uh my first day was, was my I'm trying to remember if my first day was the Quagmire or, or Tucker's. I have a feeling it was Tucker's. Um and uh so I met him there and before getting lost in an absolute maze of arcade machines. There were so many arcade machines at Tucker's. There were there were arcade machines behind the set that they decided not to use but just kept on hand. Like it was insane.
1: You gotta have a backup.
0: Right, I guess so. That's and the backup like of the backup. Set just 101, in case, you should know that. Just in case Bubble Bobble's not the right game to play, you've got to have Donkey Kong and everything else.
1: <laughs> that seems like a very um, ex-games writer thing to do, which is nice, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah how, how does he do it? Well, you know, what do you think? How, how does he see the future? Um, what kind of time machine does he have?
0: I have no idea. You know, I think um, I, I have no idea. Honestly, I mean, he's a he's an enigma.
1: <laughs> what do you think is the reason that San Junipero won two Emmys and mm. and is you know the the kind of the most famous Black yeah. Mirror episode? Do you think it it will stay that way even past season four? I think because it was
2: the first of its kind of kind as well that had a big impact on it. I know, um, I know everything's an L- LGBT side of things. I've had like, friends of mine that said they was like, their f- favourite episode for obvious reasons. I know it's RuPaul's favourite episode. Oh. My friend told me that as well. She was like, it's RuPaul's favourite episode, Mentioned it on the yeah. podcast. And I was like, I will. Yes, so that's very important. Very, very important.
1: very important. What, what was it like going to the Emmys then?
0: That was nuts. I mean, it's like an experience that I never, you know, you always kind of dream about going to see. But uh, I got this email from Owen, the director, just saying, Hey, me and Laurie have a couple of spare tickets. Do you want, do you want to come with us? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> um, so myself and Billy Griffin Jr. Who played, um, uh, Davis. I think he played the guy that goes up to uh Yorkie in the uh, arcade.
1: Oh yeah. He has a crush on her. He's
0: sweet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, so yeah, Laurie Borg and uh, Owen Harris. Laurie was, um, uh, Nominated with Charlie and Annabelle for the for the show, um, so they took us along, and uh yeah, it was nuts to be in this massive theatre complex with like all the. You look to your right, oh, it's Julie L. Dreyfus. Look to your left, oh, Peter Sarsgaard. That's cool. All these people around you—it's nuts. I know
1: you. You did actually manage to get your hands on at least one of them, <laughs> didn't you? I think I've seen a picture. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I I stole Annabelle's uh, um, uh, golden statue for a second, just for a shot. We actually, we weren't sure because we had, they had the actors sitting in a different area. I mean, you never get to see the audience really, but Charlie, Annabelle and Laurie were all, you know, close to the stage where all the nominees are. Um, and we hadn't been able to contact them to ask, Hey, so, so should we come up? But we'd heard through the grapevine that the Academy doesn't like this, like only the people that are nominated should come up. So only Laurie, um, Charlie and Annabelle. But just before our nomination was read out, I think Veep won for best uh, comedy, I think, comedy series. And so Julia Louis-Dreyfus went up and, and then like 40 writers went up with a and uh it was myself it was there was gugu mckenzie myself um billy and denise uh Burse, who plays elder um kelly we were all just sitting in a row and we just looked at each other and we were like guys when are we going to get this opportunity again if they if they say that we won we have to bum rush that stage and just get get up there <laughs> and uh and then we and then they did they announced black mirror and it was crazy we all stood up and and went over to the stage and stood behind Charlie as he accepted the award. It's crazy. Yeah, it was bizarre because I I came off stage and I just remember thinking, wait, wait, what just happened? You know, I mean, it's that stereotypical like, wow, I just can't believe what's happened. But I actually couldn't remember. Between I was like five minutes ago, I know I was sitting in the auditorium, and then, and now I'm backstage, and I have no idea what just happened. Um, but I I was, I mean, it's just a. A bizarre experience especially with those kind of award shows it's all these kind of fandangle and like cheers and uh you know well done and hey you're in the you're doing the they have this thing called the win uh, i think it's called the winner walk or something like that it's some some stupid name but you go around in this loop and there's like um uh talk show hosts at the side and so charlie and annabelle would veer off at one point and do a little bit of an interview and then Dip in and out of uh, photo shoots and stuff that we had, and it's just like this kind of semi-circle of all these bizarre. Um, it's like going to a carnival, but instead of the carnival events, you've got like, uh, like Jimmy Fallon booth and Jimmy Kimmel booth, and it's, yeah, very strange.
1: <laughs> and then, um, how hard did you guys party afterwards?
0: <laughs> Pretty hard. There's this thing called the governor's ball, which happens, um, which is like a sit down meal and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tables. I have no idea. Spaces like this exist in downtown LA. It's like an aircraft hangar, um, with massive chandeliers coming down from, from the ceiling and a big, like circular rotating, uh, stage with an amazing band playing. Um, and everyone goes there, like all the nominees, um, and the winners, and they all kind of mingle and, and do the, the Hollywood thing. And then there's the after parties after that, and then there's after after parties. So it just carries on going. I think Be Right Back is still my favorite episode um, overall of all time. I just think there's something about that message that just strikes a chord with me. You know, the performances by by Haley and Don are just... I, I, if I could play any part maybe Haley's part <laughs> I, I just know think you that's, mean, so, yeah. that's so that's such an interesting for i guess i mean selfishly from an actor's point of view that's like such an such a uh, scary daunting but um challenging role to play of you know losing your loved one and then having them back but not quite having them back and and then you know making that choice uh it's just yeah that Haley Atwell's role, please, in uh, "Be Right Back." If you could make that happen,
1: I think I've, I've asked like a lot of the actors I spoke to from Black Mirror this question, and "Be Right Back" is pretty much the one. I think it's an acting masterclass, isn't it? And mm. um, often, you know, in these interviews, people have been so um, enthusiastic about their time on Black Mirror because I think you're given a lot of artistic freedom, and and it's quite an intellectual script to yeah. really get your teeth into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it my in my experience it it, that it travels this very fine line of kind of collaboration and charlie brooker being uh you know an auteur like he you don't want to mess with his writing and you know in in theater acting you're kind of you're 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 taught to to come up to the plate with the writing the writer gets the most respect and then in a lot of tv like working tv acting you know Sometimes writing is done on such a tight schedule that you know it 's a pleasure that an actor or someone else might have a suggestion <clears throat> that 's taken on board and it 's more of a collaboration um, but definitely in 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 on this project, the collaborative element was so like such a fine tightrope to walk and, and really well respected you know um, Annabelle was there the whole time in South Africa, by the way, so like she was, um, um, so it wasn't like Charlie and Annabelle weren't present, but, uh, but Owen and Annabelle were always, you know, chatting and discussing the script and moving forward. And, and as an actor, you always felt like it's okay to go up and say, Hey, what about, what about this? What about this? And sometimes, you know, it's, it's useful. And sometimes they're like, yeah, well, yeah, you just, you just do your thing (laughs) but um but they're always it was a very very respectful environment to work in
1: so thanks to harriet and to gavin stenhouse for joining me on the podcast today and a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening as i mentioned at the start this is the last podcast we'll be putting out for a while at least until we know what's happening in season five Um, It's been an absolute joy to make these. Thank you so much for listening and for giving us feedback and for starting conversations across social media and on Reddit. And um, yes, for the last time, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars, upload it to your consciousness and spend eternity with your loved ones with your earphones in listening to this podcast, if you could. But yes, thank you for listening. We've had a great time. Take care and goodbye.